Hey there, you're listening to the Erratic Control Podcast. I'm Ed Townend. This week's interview is with Jack Barnett. Jack came down to my flat a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the end of June. We had a chat about his music, about music in general, about his history with music. It's quite quite an interesting interview, especially um, kind of taking into account the fact that Jack spent quite a bit of his teenage years, all of his teenage years, in uh, in France, in Toulouse. And so we talk about that, as well as talking about his music, about just things in general. And yeah, it was, it was a good chat. We also recorded a song together, uh, because we, well, that sounds like I had some involvement in the musical process, which is obviously is not true. Because the way Jack set, sets up the song, I just led straight into it on this edit so there won't be an interlude kind of thing it'll just go straight from the interview to the song and to the outro so without further ado here's jack barnett i don't know it's it's interesting kind of being a band that or an artist that creates sad music you can fuck my new album's like literally crushingly depressing <laughs> but so, so are most of my the, favorite me albums and, um, aaron strange were talking about it the other night that i can't remember we were talking about someone someone who came on this playlist thing and it was this uh sort of really happy bippity boppity sort mm. of folk from the 70s yeah and then he was he turned it off straight away and he said oh for me folk just needs to be like Sad. downer yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it can't be happy it's like, so the hippies have gone <laughs> i know it's i rarely ever listen i i struggle to find happy music in my music collection because I enjoy sad music. It's like, why? It's strange. It makes you feel better somehow in a weird, opposite yeah, kind of way. Yeah. Well, I remember um, kind of the first iteration I heard of you was when we booked you 2014 for an Oxjam event. Yeah. Do you remember that? In Phase 11? It was you, Alid, Rion, yeah, Genevieve. Yeah, smashed. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we were all, everyone was. It was, everyone was mad. It was my birthday, so that made yeah, it all worse for me. Yeah, Genevieve and Tom Orton, who I think was the happiest guy there. Yeah, yeah. All like three of you, like you, Alid, and yeah, came and bummed everyone Genevieve, out. <laughs> just like really sad music, and we were just like, oh, like you're all really good, but you're all really sad. <laughs> but it was fine. It was everyone was drinking, so it was everyone was kind of. But why not? Why not have lots of sad music? Oh, I, I always bang on about it, but it's just because I've just been obsessed with it for the past just over a year now. It's a singer from America called Julian Baker. Just had a chance to her because she uh, did a death cover cutie cover and oh, they yeah. shared it and she then ended up supporting them. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I kind of listened to that. It was a photo booth, which is kind of like a rarer death cover song. So I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. And then I listened to her and I listened to another song and I bought the album and I didn't listen to anything else for six weeks because <laughs> it was so good, but it's so depressing. It's like the most depressing yeah, music. I, mean, I, I used to work really early in the morning, like four in the morning, and um, I used to just listen to music all the time. I remember someone gave me the Antlers album uh, Hospice, mm. and it's just horrible. It's so, it's just such a bummer. And I remember sat, being sat there at like six in the morning, and just like, oh God, <laughs> <laughs> but it, this, this is not getting played again. <laughs> yeah, and... I mean, you can listen to some stuff that's so horribly depressing and, like... That's what it was. It was just so intensely, like... But it can be so beautiful at the same time. It's like... that, And, you know, if I'm... I can't... Oh, yeah, I'm sure, like, it'd be so much better if it wasn't, like, four in the morning and I wasn't... Oh, like, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be in a certain mood for it, haven't you? And you've you, you got to anticipate, like, if 
if you're feeling really awful, yeah. like I had to change prob- it up and get some Springsteen. Yeah, or something. Prob- yeah. <laughs> get exactly. going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like probably don't put on something that's gonna really bum you out. But at the same time, it can if you're feeling awful and you just want to wallow in it, then that music's great. And yeah, so Jack has bought me cans. So that's very, very polite of him. I was going to offer you Corona rinse in the fridge, but we can we can trade, I'm sure. We can downgrade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, no, upgrade. maybe first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having the Corona bug first. And, yeah, then, and yeah. then we can upgrade. Then we move up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it's like, it's such a weird kind of South Wales summer day. It's like muggy and rainy. And wet. It's just, it's just wet. It's just wet. And it's like, it's end of if, mid, if rain doesn't June, get you sweat like, well yeah and it's just like oh it's like why is it like this and it's a couple of weeks ago it was gorgeous well even last week was gorgeous and now it's just grim but still hot and no, i'm just not into it but this that's the perfect day for doing work that i do which is like just sit in my flat and have to kind of sit on a laptop rather than rather than go outside yeah because like <laughs> i'd if it was nice weather i'd be out swimming somewhere so it's like <laughs> But um, yeah, and like I said before we started recording, you you asked if you could be on the podcast, which is kind of the first, which is a good sign, I think, for me. And it's also, you know, shows that you're enthusiastic about (laughs) promoting your music. And um, I think that's good. Like, I think it's good to try and, you know, I'm always impressed with people who come to me. At certain certain points, you're like, okay, I appreciate the effort, but maybe in a year or two it's like <laughs> certain things like people message you it's very strange with the with the music awards particularly people messaging you this us after we denounced the nominees going oh how can i be part of the music awards and i was like yeah. i don't think you quite understand how this works but I, can fair, i have one fair enough can yeah it's one? like essentially that's that's how they thought it would work and it was like that's not really how it how it is but you know and but i think with the podcast it's kind of like if if someone like that came to me and said oh can you can we do an interview with you it'd be really purely based on if there was enough content to kind yeah, of yeah. to kind of go over because these do last from like 45 minutes to an hour and you, you got to if you're a band that's just started like two weeks ago that's yeah, not really not the same know. thing it's like but i think with you it's um it's interesting because i just like very very briefly today just had a look at at, at your already what you've got and your last your first ep was came out in 2013 yeah which means that you've been around for a while and like more so than yeah. i think a lot of a lot of people currently have yeah so i'm like 2013 to me it's quite you know that seems like quite a long time ago because that's the last time I, maybe I, I think that was when i worked for soon last mm. and like it's four years now so that's yeah. that's a long it's, time it's to ages. be kind of there and kind of on the fringes and and i think you know i have seen your name pop up on the occasional lineup and things like that so still plugging away and now kind I of spent spent a while just not doing anything mm. so like i put that ep out and i think we started recording it in well we started recording in 2010 um me and one of my friends just started i was knocking a couple of ideas about and then we decided let's sit down and think about it properly mm. and start doing it and that was how we made the first ep and then I played the first show was an Oxjam one in 2012, mm-hmm. where we got a, a minibus up to Ebervale, because it was part of some student's like event management course that she was putting this on. Yeah. So pretty much all the expenses were there for us. Oh, really? Which was pretty cool, because cool. we just yeah. minibussed us up there, and we didn't have to pay anything, just turned up and played, and then... 
I don't think anything happens in Ebervale. So about <laughs> 60 odd people came down to the Alex Jam show in this hall. And so that was a really good, really nerve wracking first show to play. I can imagine. Of this yeah. sort of thing, but it was the first time I'd ever got up on a stage, just me and a guitar. Mm. Like I'd been in bands previously, but that was the first time where you can't really hide behind anyone else yeah. when you make a mistake. And then I kept playing after that. And I was taking gig after gig after gig, every one that was offered me mm. and i was doing two or three a month just support slot opening slots sometimes you play to 20 30 people mm-hmm. sometimes you play to two or three people yeah and then i started playing in dom's band as well yeah 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 so dominic griffin yeah. yeah and then i for a little period as well i played bass for firewood island before they got a new one and i just completely burnt out because mm. all the while I was doing 4am starts at work as well. Yeah, just so I could, I would have no reason to say no when anyone offered me a gig. And then I just completely burnt out on it and just... I can imagine. Like, I had, had, to, had to stop and take a break because I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. I, I guess that can happen. and it's But that, that's an interesting kind of avenue to go down as a solo performer is to mm. accept gigs like that, like support slots and... You know, you say you more play to 20, 30 people or two or three people. And from, for what I can gather from a lot of solo acts, the the majority of them start off in open mics. Yeah. And for you to go straight into trying to do I just, those I, I shows. I never bothered with open yeah. mics. Like, I used to go to a couple every now and then and watch other people, but mm-hmm. I was just never too bothered by them i was playing so many gigs anyway that i used to try all my new ideas out there a lot of people use open mics just to try new ideas or they haven't quite worked out a cover or something Mm -hmm. like that but i was never bothered about using that as that sort of a a thing and i think yeah it's like that's an alternative way of doing it and it's quite a brave way of doing it because you kind of with open mics there is a certain expectation that it won't it will be rough yeah and it won't be as like re- well rehearsed, but for you to go into gigs straight away and not have that kind of open mic sort of practice, you know, it's a bit like jumping in at the deep end. Yeah. Even though it's like yeah. you know, you're not you're not going out and trying to start with with headline shows. It's like that's yeah. that's another thing altogether. But it's you know, it's that's kind of almost yeah. impossible to do. Oh yeah, unless you're definitely like dragging your friends to do it. Yeah, and I think you know that's that's some you know very naive young bands. Oh, and yeah, and out of that, all yeah. of these gigs that I played, like some sort of twenty thirty gigs, I think I probably got paid for about two. Mm. Which is the other thing that people expect straight away is like. Yeah, well, I, I mean. I remember being in bands and being very surprised when you got paid. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the bonus. Someone gives you an envelope at the end and you just say, what's this? <laughs> You're like, oh, I didn't expect to get money for doing this. This is strange. Um, but that's, yeah, it's kind of always interesting about how people start out. But, you know, I think that's kind of jumping ahead of what I usually talk about first, which is um, kind of very early and then going into kind of how you establish yourself. So the first question I ask on the podcast, I don't know, have you listened to one of the podcasts? Yeah, I've listened to a few of them now, the Jack Ellis one. I'm the yeah. one. Okay, that's cool, because I think this is the first kind of podcast I've also recorded with someone who's listened to the podcast. So you <laughs> already know. A fan. What, well, it's not, it's not even a fan. It's just like, it's funny because cause when I give these questions, when I usually ask these questions, they don't know what the questions are. Mm. But with you, you know what the questions are at this point, which is... A little bit surreal for me, but f- fair <laughs> enough. Like you'll have the answers in there, so you might already know that the first question I ask is, "What's your first musical memory?" Uh, and it's so that can be basically anything you relate to music that you remember at the earliest point. 
I, I remember yeah. being, I was in a car going somewhere, and I can't remember who wrote, who wrote it. Uh, the song, I, I Never Knew a Girl Like You Before. Oh, yeah. The, the one, one with the really weird um, sound effects in it. Yeah, and then the, that guitar line, of the yeah. solo, and yeah. and that's, yeah, that one. Yeah, I always yeah. just remember that that guitar and the yeah that's that's strange that, so, that one just stuck with me it was really early 90s like yeah definitely I don't know if it was really early 90s because I remember it was what how old are you 26 yeah so I'm <laughs> you're like you could remember then maybe yeah so I'm 25 so I guess like we kind of will have similar memories in that sense but yeah I know exactly what song you mean and I know that's very strange that yeah and I doubt I've heard it many times since now yeah it's, it's quite not it's about good, it's a good song i kind of somehow i i that reminds me of like the the diet coke advert and watching superman <laughs> uh the tv series that's a very strange kind of visual like audio memory to kind of put those things two things together like <laughs> two or three things together but yeah no i do remember that song and the ridiculous sound effect in it I don't know what the hell it could be, but I know I know exactly what song you mean. I think that's the first thing I really remember is that, that coming on the radio. Mm. No idea why it stuck with me. <laughs> it's, it's it's a memorable song, maybe, yeah. but it's like yeah, it's kind of when you. It's when probably you... the first time I heard that sort of aggressive type of guitar. Mm. Oh, okay. Sound at, right. at a sort of age where it was impressionable. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's kind of like a, a formative thing in that sense, rather Might than be, and yeah. stu- like stuck with you. Okay. Because yeah, um, like listening to your music, it it's not your typical kind of you know folksy singer songwriter thing that you would expect from a, a guy with a guitar with a, with using their own name. It's yeah. like you have kind of got that a little bit harder, rougher edge it's, to it. So like, I always in a very uh, <laughs> like shrink or like psychologist kind of way link these earliest memories to how <laughs> like um how your music is now and you know that's a uh, crap i know but it's you know that's what i kind of tend to do so kind of getting that connection there maybe yeah and like being able to associate a memory that early on with you know uh a song and being able to remember what that song is but yeah and you wouldn't know but you wouldn't know who wrote that song oh no would you? you? I don't think care. I ever looked it up. Yeah, since. it's like, yeah, it's like, why? Why would you know? I don't remember that song. I don't remember who did the I diet coke. Yeah, clearly, song, clearly like. never done anything else. Well, it's, I, I don't mean, think they probably everyone to after you know, the everyone diet coke advert. Everyone listens. I know it wasn't in the. No, that's, that's a different song. That's that's. But it's that's, just soundtrack in your yeah, memories. Yeah, yeah. But it's like people are screaming out this is his podcast. It's it's so and so with this song, and it's like yeah, but it's kind of one of those songs that maybe came out during that time that was a bit. Well known. It's, it also reminds me. It must be like '97 because I think it must have been on the Brits or something. Because that's one I really remember. It's '97 Brits having that on tape and watching that over and over again. <laughs> was it? Maybe it's in '96 actually, because '97 was the one with Jerry Halliwell in the '94. '94. Power of Google. Wow. So what? What's the song called? A girl like you well, by Edwin Collins. Edwin. See Edwin Collins. That. Doesn't seem like it wrote. Ring, rings a bell to me though, Edwin Collins. Like, so I'm gonna have to do a Google as well now. It's just like it's fascinating audio uh, things. I've literally just had to edit. So uh, just editing um, Ransom's uh, podcast, and he had to Google something, so I had to basically cut all of that out. Um, oh no, he's a oh, so he's kind of like um, a producer basically, 
and so would come out with yeah okay that makes sense okay cool yeah and that's kind of that 90s thing where they mm. kind of mash up kind of old soul stuff and anyway moving moving swiftly past that do you um do you remember kind of when you first started playing music yourself then after that although although the other question is sorry i'll skip that god i've just edited a podcast do you know <laughs> what was the first record you bought or were I were given but it was your own choice single. yeah yeah that counts i don't remember what the single was the first one. I know the first CD I bought mm. was Lincoln Park's one. The hybrid theory. Hybrid theory, yeah. So when you heard Jack say that, you were like, oh, same CD I got. Yeah, fair enough. All the, all the Jacks out there buying up all the yeah. Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> all the Jacks. I had a, I think I bought uh, Roland by Limp Bizkit on cassette. And that would have been the first one. That I should, that point. But I had to yeah. buy the radio edit. I, oh really? I, I wasn't allowed the uh, the other one. I didn't know you could even <laughs> buy radio edits at that point. Like that's interesting. I always thought radio edits literally were radio edits. I remember they um, we asked for that at one of our school discos, and the DJ played it, and it got to like the second verse, and they started it started with all the swearing, <laughs> and they slowly had to bring it out, and one of my friends was like scandalized by it. Brilliant memory. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like that kind of. It was all like all the new metal, new metal stuff. Yeah. yeah. That we recognise now as new metal, but yeah. back then just thought it was mosher music. And did it? Uh, so where are you from? In Gloucester originally. Gloucester. Okay, cool. Then when I was ten, I moved to France, and then oh, wow. I lived there until I was eighteen. And cool. Then came to here. So you, are you bilingual? Then do you speak yeah. French? That's cool. Interesting. And so did you buy Lincoln Park in France? No, I bought it here. Yeah, it must have been. It could have only been a year or so before I yeah, left. Yeah, no. That so I left in 2001, right, yeah. so it would have been yeah. around that time. But... Yeah, 2001. 2001's a good year for new metal. <laughs> Very good years. Uh, make, uh, not make, uh, Morning View by Incubus. Yeah. It's a good one. Still an album, most two. It's um, Toxicity by System yeah. of Down. It's another, another amazing another album, 2001. 2001's a good year. I'm sure there's some other ones I I can't remember. Sure, had. the first Alien Ant Farm one came out around that time yeah. as well. Yeah. Maybe then 2002. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that that seems a bit more. Yeah, oh maybe the first one like with yeah movies with movies it, and yeah, that yeah. rather than Smooth Criminal. Yeah, God, that's so weird going back and like and like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three and stuff. And oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so weird. Like uh, meeting people who kind of went through those same experiences and like you know because people in my school wouldn't like listen to music like that as much as I was and I don't know it's it's strange and then you kind of meet people later on down the line who, yeah. who did have those experiences and kind of like it's it's interesting and yeah that kind of music is you know we look back on it now and go oh it's not very good so, <laughs> I don't know do you still listen to Linkin Park? <laughs> <laughs> no I did download it recently though just for the uh, just, just, just just for that nostalgia Yeah, nostalgia. And that's the same with me like I was listening to Sis from Down recently and just going oh this is this is, no, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and then you hear like you hear the you get that initial bit of nostalgia, and then after that, you're kind of like, no, this yeah, is okay, this we'll really take just, it back off. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm now. just gonna go <laughs> put on the more modern music that is good. But you know, we might in ten years, we might yeah. li- listen back to the music listen to now. And go, it tends to be when you get wrecked, and then you put it on, and then everyone's there just going, yeah, yeah, I love this song. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, because all of your like self consciousness about that song is completely gone. Yeah. um but then again, if I was on a night out and I heard Chop Soup, I'd sit down and I'd be like, 
But then again, that's that's because I've been to Live Lounge about yeah. a million times. So I don't go there anymore. <laughs> like, oh God. I went to Live Lounge so many times that um, I knew their playlist. Yeah, I used to as well. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, yeah, Live Lounge is the devil. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's you can't you can't escape places like that musically, I guess. Anyway, so um, so it's kind of like the first. Kind of music. Do you? That's. In, I mean, I find it find it really interesting to kind of hear that you went to France at that kind of age because that's, you know, going there when you're younger would be easier in a sense. But yeah, going there when you're ten, what, well, this was that my dad was offered the job, and I think it was basically you do it now or you never do it. Yeah. Because I was at that age, I had one year left at primary school, mm-hmm. so it was on like that sort of cut off point. Yeah. Where but you don't did, you don't have those sort of solid friendships, but French before no, it's just that's, that's see that's to me. I think at ten years old that would be terrifying. Well, it sort of is, but it doesn't matter because you're ten. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> I guess, but maybe I was a more sensitive ten year old. But like, well, I, I was at the time, but I'm sure everyone else is just like he's ten, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. you get over it, and you I did. did. And yeah, it's I'm better sure you would. that you'd, I moved you'd, there. Like, you'd I'm, have to adapt, yeah. obviously. Like so. looking back, it's great i can't imagine having not done it yeah like um, it's such a kind of fascinating thing to kind of grow up in a, a different, different country culture. yeah exactly but I, I went to an international school then as well so oh, i was right. surrounded by uh spanish and koreans and That's americans cool. and even more as well as french then yeah so you had like so you had a mixture and, and so many and it wasn't like there. okay so it wasn't so fully jumping into the yeah, deep end yeah. but you, you still managed to learn French well yeah because you, know. you, you have to you have to yeah, <laughs> amazing. outside of that school you're still in, yeah in, in the, France in the middle yeah. of France so where where in France were you uh, in Toulouse which is down in the south yeah like bang in the middle of the south mm. pretty much so that's nice nice summers yeah oh yeah like I can't get used to this, <laughs> this like, like we were saying about this, this rain so this is rubbish I still can't accept it oh. the hot day we had last week it was like that like every day of the summer oh, and it's just thriving on the oppression of the sun mm. but this yeah, is just gorgeous. rubbish yeah this is just <laughs> shit and it's like got that I'm so jealous <laughs> like the idea of like living in it yeah it can be terrifying but at the same time it's like to accept that kind of culture and so musically, how do you think that was kind of influence an influence on you? I, I don't think that it changed it too much because most people's music influence comes from their friends, mm. if not like their parents. Like I didn't have much of an influence off like what my parents listened to. I was the first so musical one in the family. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of what all your friends bring to you and how you sort of go off that, I suppose being in an international school yeah you had a lot of different people not necessarily like not just mm-hmm. from different backgrounds and different cultures but they tend to just be a lot more of a variety mm. of personalities than okay what i sort of witnessed elsewhere in in other sort of social circles that just because you're kind of you're, you're such a randomly plucked group yeah. of people and then you're in a small social circle that and it's you, you know you, you have those differences, but you all have to be in a social circle yeah, exactly. together you because to. you've got no one else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's interesting. And so maybe that kind of having that variation between people. Do you think you kind of had similar music tastes, or would it was it well, the band I was in when I was in school? There mm. was I was big into sort of um, I got into Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and then two thousand two something. <laughs> <there>. Sorry. <laughs> from from there, I sort of. 
I found this little CD shop in the city mm. and they just stocked the weirdest, most sort of vague CDs mm. and they had it split in a section so they had all like underground drum and bass stuff. They had all the underground electronic stuff and then they had old sort of B-side collections of Lou Reed and stuff like that. And then they had a really big like wall of metal music. So they had all black metal, Norwegian black metal, like about five different types of black metal. Yeah. And then they had a West Coast and desert rock section. And I used to go there and just pick one up, like any random one, just pick it up and buy it. Mm. And then listen to that. So I got into tuning my guitar low and, doing all this little twangy bits and then the bassist in the band was big into funk and jazz okay and then the guitarist the other guitarist was into all the sort of mainstream screamo and Mm. emo that was all coming out at the time and then the drummer i don't even know what he was what he listened to but it was you had all these different things coming together then Mm -hmm. that kind of built what we did then but so, it's good that playing yeah. with all these different people who listen to all these different things and that I mean that is that is fascinating and, and especially because like you said you kind of come together and from different backgrounds but you have to socialize you, 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 you have, have to, to. Work was, together. there was only 300 people in the school yeah like most people I talked to like why are 300 people my year so yeah like, yeah exactly yeah, you yeah. don't like a certain group of people you, you can go find another yeah, group yeah, of people exactly. and this was like there wasn't another group of people to find like so you had so you to had sort to of get on with them God crazy yeah and and then kind of pushing that in the musical sense is interesting as well so what kind of music well if you can describe it what kind of music (laughs) were you making um it was heavy sort of stuff i suppose it was like all the emo and rock stuff that was coming out Mm. at the time that would have been the main category you could sit it in yeah but then it had all these sort of different bits coming off it then there was never like just root notes being played on a bass so there was always a a proper bass line uh, and there was always i was never just playing the octaves of whatever power chord was being played there was something else going on and okay that's interesting sort of bringing on little bits to that see because to me that that feels like maybe kind of progressing towards like stuff like the mars volta and things it's like more that. towards like post-rock sort of stuff oh okay so kind um, of that freer sense yeah of, yeah that you you have that grounding of yeah of rock the hard rock and yeah, emo yeah. sort of but thing then but then with letting the, it little more out. flourishes yeah. and okay we started bringing it after the drummer left in the last year that we were together so we started bringing a more electronic element into yeah it and okay out having necessity. these weird little keyboard yeah. and electronic breakdowns and that's cool. So do you think you were aware of kind of post-rock stuff or was it just a kind um, of... I used to listen to Glassjaw and At The Drive-In. Yeah. But that, yeah, like so that. that's kind of like a precursor so yeah, to post-rock, isn't it? It's like leaning toward it. Yeah, but so kind of establishing a, that genre, even though you didn't know what it was, it's quite interesting. Like, um, And then I bet when you heard when you heard your first piece of post-rock, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah that's that's what we were trying to do that's they've, yeah. they've got it um good job yeah <laughs> i know it's it's interesting when it like it's so strange kind of finding a new genre like that that you you click with so so easily for me it was um listening to nine inch nails property for the first time i know i always go on about them because i fucking love them but um it clicked and it's almost like you hear you've heard it before mm. because you get you get so into a, 
a type of music that you want to hear. Yeah, it's like, and it's like you, that's what you've been imagining. Is, yeah, is that's good. As your perfect kind of music. <laughs> and when you find it, you're like, I'm, sw- I'm sure I've heard this before, but I definitely haven't. Like, because you kind of, it's, it's literally like yeah. your dream kind of music. And it's, yeah, it's, that's interesting. So you said you were there from 10 to 18. Mm. So you came back to... Let's go to university. Where did you go to uni in Cardiff? Uh, Glamorgan, so at the atrium, uh, I went and did music there. Okay, cool. So that's kind of... A lot of people I know did that course. Yeah. How did it go for you? It was pretty good. I yeah. Pretty good. It was like... I was being pushed to go and do history or international business studies was another one they told me I should do. And just kind of like, I don't want to do that. No. It's just kind of like... Why, yeah, I, I mean, I'm why... going to go do something I want to do. Exactly. Like, why would you sit in a fucking lecture hall for three years if you yeah, don't want to do Yeah, and then go something. and end up getting a job that you don't, you don't particularly want. want exactly, you know. And it's... Or like, someone tells you when you're 17, oh, you should be applying to go and do international mm. business studies. And you're just like, as a 17-year-old, you have no idea what that is. I mean, <laughs> what sort of job you get afterwards now? I still don't know exactly what it would be now, but you'd mm. be... Be fucking Donald Trump. Sweating in an yeah, office yeah, somewhere. And... No. Why, why, yeah, and I hate that kind of attitude, like, Oh, you you should do this because it's, it's it depends like, whether you see um, higher education as a means to get a job mm. or as a means to further your knowledge on something. Yeah, or even just enjoy yourself. an interest. Yeah, and you know, so many people I know dropped out of uni because they. Yeah, a lot of people I know took ones they were pressured into doing. Yeah, and just didn't want to do yeah, it, and or thought out. they were yeah. into it and weren't. I think there's like such a stigma attached to people who drop out of university as well. And it's like, no, like better than that you dropped out than you stayed on and like yeah. ruined your life. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad some people I know dropped out of uni because otherwise they just end up going, I've wasted my life. In, yeah, you waste in, more years of your time and then you end up with more debt as well. Exactly. Oh, precisely. For no reason. I know, for exa- exactly for no reason. It's, um, so coming coming to Cardiff and doing that kind of music sense what year was that uh, so counting back 26 came in year 18 um, 2009 okay so kind of placing that that was about Barfly was still open was it uh, it shut the year that I came in oh okay oh so the summer you yeah the, well the, the sort of spring afterwards uh, okay yeah okay yeah so you kind of caught maybe the tail end of that kind of I don't know kind of emo phase in in South Wales or maybe it just appeared out by that point I'm not sure. yeah it was pretty much I think I was pretty much done with it by then like I still went and yeah. saw bands while I was in front some of them came down to where we were and yeah okay I saw a few and I I never got into it too much like I no. sort of liked some of the main ones and then some of the others I was kind of a bit like meh yeah can take or leave it but yeah so but obviously coming into Cardiff and doing a music course you kind of then you jump straight into it do you well did I, you? I don't know there was a quite a good mix of people on my course that mm. were into different things yeah as I, as I, it as tend to be with that kind of course yeah. I think it's interesting those courses because they do they don't always attract the people you think they would yeah um, I remember like when my friend did that course and he said that people on that course would be DJs and stuff and that kind of fascinated me that 
DJs would go on a music festival. <laughs> but fair enough. Like, if you want to learn how to make music yeah. as a producer or something like that, I mean, I mean that in a sense of a producer rather than a DJ. Like, mm. there's again, there's a difference between those two things. But um, those courses are interesting to kind of uh, work with other people yeah. who have got different yeah. tastes to you. And so, I guess there's a kind of progression of that band in high school. Yeah, is yeah the next sort of thing to then going from. It was more. There's a lot of the sort of theory behind the songwriting and everything. Yeah. You did all that sort of stuff and learning different sort of performance techniques. Yeah, and analyzing the culture of music and the theory behind definitely the uh, culture and sociology side of it as well. Yeah, and but with university, there's always the thing of there's only so much you could do in university and then a lot of it comes from outside of it. So Oh, yeah. To what I do now, I think not all of what I did in at uni, university yeah. applies to what I did now. I worked all this out yourself. Myself, yeah. yeah, and courses like that, you tend to have to and you kind of get the groundwork, but mm. you have to do a lot of that work yourself. So what were you doing alongside university at, at that point? Nothing, really. Mm. Um I played in a couple of groups for assignments, but beyond that, I didn't really pursue anything. I was just getting drunk all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and then it was it was, Cardiff, yeah. it was in second year that I started writing and recording mm-hmm. um, with my friend. And was that we, out of like a desire, or did you feel like it was just it a was, necessary thing? I had a couple of things recorded that I'd just been messing around with. Yeah, I think probably messing around with recording software more than actually messing around with a musical idea Mm -hmm. and then he heard something i'd done and said well that sounds pretty good why don't we try and do something with it seriously Mm -hmm. so we booked one of the studios out and sat there with a guitar and a piano and worked out what was happening and then recorded the first track which was the first track off the first ep winter yeah and we recorded it completely different to how it sounds now. It just sounded like a Bon Iver ripoff at first. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when you, I mean, the idea of going into a studio with without much of an idea is. He used to get annoyed with me because he'd like we'd book the studio and we'd say, right, we're gonna do, we'll get another one written, and I'd turn up with like three chords and maybe like a one line of melody, mm. and that'd be it, and then we'd sit there and just kind of jam it out but that was what worked and then after the first couple of times that we did that he said like why haven't you got more and then we sort of realized that we didn't need more beyond that and mm. that was we sort of stumbled across this good work in arrangement that yeah i think you come in with a very 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 basic idea mm-hmm. and then build it up together from that point and we used to just record the chords once through loop it round and then build everything else up on top of it until you had like a complete song almost roughly pieced together and then you go back and record each track properly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, So you yeah. sort of, it's almost like you draw a picture and then you colour it in afterwards. It's <laughs> a, a good analogy. Uh, and I think, you know, some musicians might listen to that and find that terrifying, the idea of going into a studio oh. without a proper song. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's for some people that works. And I think um, it's a creative way of, you know, it's just another mm. way of making music. And it can it can so be like that. Another thing that people always ask is like, oh, how, how do you write your songs? Like, mm. do you have 
do you do lyrics first or do you do chords first and mm. everything else first and like it just kind of comes as it is I think that sometimes you have a few chords in mind sometimes you've got like a full a notebook written of lyrics mm. and then it's if you find one that links with the other and mm. you just I used to just pluck one out of my head that I had like stored away yeah and just use it to try a melody out and then it'd end up being the main bit of that mm-hmm. song and then that song would come from that then it's it's in a strange sort of sense it's almost like improvising yeah. in the studio because you're you know improvisation comes from somewhere yeah like you can't there is no improviser in the world that could pluck something off out of the recesses of their mind and yeah. not know, not have, haven't thought about it before. Oh yeah, it's, it's, I used to do a lot of improvising in school because I did a different thing to A levels, but for the equivalent thing that I did, there was a group. There was only three of us taking the course, so we had to be a performance band together. So mm-hmm. there was a drummer, a pianist, and me. So I used to play bass or guitar with a couple of effects pedals and we formed this kind of I don't really know what you'd call it a jazz pop trio maybe <laughs> but it just wasn't poppy at all yeah yeah <laughs> but it wasn't jazz uh, it wasn't okay. strict enough or cool enough to be jazz but mostly it was all improvising so I mm. I'd spent about two years just improvising in this band and building up that sort of being able to being able to do, do these yeah. like little melodies and things and it's sort of ingrained in my brain now. Yeah, that so that's how you work. When yeah. I was recording the latest album, I'd sit there and think, oh, it needs a melody here or something. And it'd yeah. only take me sort of a minute to come up with the melody that's sitting over the top of it. Cause yeah. Just, just able to... Because you come from that kind of out background. Yeah, that, that, well, not even like a background. It's, where it's you... like a skill set that you don't know you have and you can't quantify. It's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And... Again, other musicians listening to this or not, not in a different sense, would be very frustrated with that because they can sit there for hours and not come up with something. Whereas if you hear a piece of music, you might be able to put a melody over. Is it always that easy, or is it? Do you? Oh no! Sometimes? sometimes you just like feel like your fingers aren't working, and yeah. you want to throw your guitar out the window. And <laughs> it's not a given that it's going to happen. Definitely, but... and it's the same. You, you can't really write down, sit down and write a song and you, you also at the same time can't expect those things to happen every time. But So you continue to write like that. You continue to write in a sort of piecing it together kind of way rather than... And the latest with... stuff I've done has been slightly different because I've basically not written anything in a year or so mm. other than weird electronic stuff. And I sat down to do it because I had a couple of ideas from the last set of demos I did a year ago. Mm. I just never did anything with them. I just sat on them and they were sort of recorded slightly better quality than a demo, but not good enough to be anything. And it really frustrated me that I would have to redo all of them. So I just kind of procrastinated and sat on them and then just stopped thinking about them altogether. Mm. So I went back to them first and played around with a few ideas. And three of the tracks I've done are off that group of songs that I just took them and basically redid them just recorded them all bit by bit yeah same way that i used to and then i sat there and started coming up with new ideas and i suppose they were done piece by piece i'd write them very simply first just the chords and maybe a melody and once i had the chords and the vocals done then i'd fill in everything else 
Okay. Like some of the tracks, there's a lot going on. There's two or three guitars, a mm. piano, a church organ, drums, everything, and mm. banjos left and right. <laughs> so you can kind of work out what a song needs as you're going through it rather than... Yeah, I, so I record them and then I sit there and I listen to them and I think, oh, something else needs to come in here, something mm-hmm. else needs to come in, something needs to happen or drop something out or... And I do it on a trial and error type of thing. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, this turn around and see what instruments I got in the room and just say, oh, this one, that, that maybe that'll do. And yeah. Have a go with that and then it sounds awful. And But uh, yeah, definitely on a trial and error basis. And uh, so you'll, you'd, you'd be going into a songwriting thing without a clear idea but then from the start. For every track that comes out of this, you've got five tracks that you've just bend and say no yeah. one's ever going to hear that mm. but I think you know I think a lot of musicians do that but in a less kind of they will just sit there and try and write a song and then it mm. won't it won't work as well but for, for you to go in and try and record those things from the start is, is quite a kind of adventurous way of doing it and it may be a bit unorthodox but I think probably there are quite a lot of people who do that it, it depends if it works for you yeah I mean, that's the bottom line of all of it if you whatever you're doing if you can put something good out at the end of it yeah and if you're getting good results yeah yeah exactly and if you're getting good results and it's working for Mm. you then why not do it and doesn't mean you shouldn't try the other way no no but at at the same time so it's like maybe musicians who will go into a studio with a fully formed song depends who you're working with too yeah yeah oh yeah definitely and you kind of there are certain kind of people you can work with who will help you on that on that front and but other people will turn around and say you shouldn't do it like that yeah. and it's like but if it works it works and kind of it's interesting to hear you say as well that you got burned out by music and i think you know that does happen to a lot of people but a lot of musicians just try and work through that whereas you taking a break seems quite like you taking a step to do something about it rather than yeah i just got to a point where i thought if i don't stop taking these gigs now I'm going to end up never doing it again and I yeah, you know, hating it hate yeah. doing it because yeah. I was just fed up with it and well I learned a lesson doing it that you have to be able to pick and choose if you if you're fortunate enough to be getting these offers mm. in the first place you have to be able to then say no to the ones that maybe don't suit you and mm. I think that's the mistake I made that I was just like yeah give me, give me whatever I'll do everything and then you just you get you're too just much. Yeah. filling out a poster yeah. on some of them. Like, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, that's that can be really. I'm sure it's not as cynical as that, but I mean no, that's how it no, feels no. sometimes. Like, I mean, but that's a good way of putting it. Like, of course, of course, you might be able to, you might feel like that, and if you, especially if you don't feel like you're making progress, do you think? Do you felt? Do you think you were making progress? Or do you think um, you just were kind of letting your wheels spin and? At first, yeah, and I was learning things, and I started. I eventually got a couple of other people involved mm. with what I was doing, and then I kind of just think I stagnated a little bit, and that's where I was taking too much on and mm. not doing anything else. And, and do you think that was because you were trying to make a move to get out of that stagnation by doing so much, or was it just because? No, I think it's just just taking it, thinking that I was ultimately gonna do better if i kept taking them all yeah 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 exactly and 
and then realizing but i think you know realizing realizing that wasn't working is like kind of a a really good decision to make and taking that time off and kind of coming back to it with fresh eyes so do you think um the music you're making now is better in a sense or do you think it's just different i wouldn't say it's better it's not it's different the last ep is a lot friendlier sounding that makes sense (laughs) yeah 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 fine yeah that that does make sense um I started playing with an electric more than an acoustic mm. and that changed a lot of things. Then I brought more instruments in and I put more of a variety in on the tracks of the, the tracks on the EP were relatively similar in that they were acoustic guitar. They kind of, that was the lead instrument and mm. acoustic guitar and it was a, maybe a little piano back in or now there's more variety. There's some louder songs. There's some ones that are say riff based instead of chord based. Yeah. And it's, it's just a, like a bit of a change in songwriting stuff, but then they all sit together like a collection should on a on an album. That's good. And it's, you know, you always want to kind of try and drive yourself in a better, not not even in a better direction, but in a in a different direction because, like you said, yeah, you, you can't felt, do the same thing. No, and you felt forever, like yeah. stagnant and stuff. And so kind of taking that kind of breath and then coming back mm. is an interesting way of kind of reassessing your situation. Yeah, it allows you to come back to it and, not be tainted by the ideas you had before yeah and that you can kind of pick and choose definitely little bits out of that that you want that, you, that you enjoyed and then yeah. get rid of the stuff that you, you maybe didn't work out yeah. so well so and then listening to your your new track like i think it kind of so the static i mean it jumped out as me as something quite experimental but at the same time still something quite accessible yeah which is really interesting for me is someone who likes both experimental and pop music i'm not saying it is pop music because it isn't no but it does have that accessibility and that's what it's and that's good it's like and bridging that gap is kind of can be quite difficult for people but i think you did it quite well when i first wrote that one it was even jazzier yeah so the the drums originally i used just a loop i found some jazz Mm. drumming loop and then the only thing I ended up keeping from that loop was just that that ride symbol mm. that keeps going throughout it, and because the, the rest of it was it was just jazz drums, it was everywhere, it was mm. toms and everything, and it it was just a jazz song. So mm. I had to try and so consciously I tried to bring that and make that more accessible. I changed it to a strict four four beat, yeah, but kept that jazzy feel to it. You know, and I that that's interesting to hear because that's purely kind of you're really actively trying to morph a song you've written in one style into a different style and being conscious of that and especially is something that can be quite hard to admit because you don't want to admit that you're trying to make a song more accessible were you trying to make it more accessible or were you just trying to make it different no i was trying to make it more accessible definitely because it was just or maybe not necessarily more accessible, more in line with what I do. More, okay. yeah. More what Jack Barnett is than yeah than this weird little jazz song I just made. Because people would, can identify it yeah. better as you. Then I could comfortably put it in with this collection of songs, and mm-hmm. it it sits in there and it works in the group of songs. Whereas if I'd left it how it was, it'd just be, well, where's this come from? Yeah. This is, and do you prefer it in that way? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's better than it was before when okay. I first ended yeah. it. And then, so you can identify with it more yourself as well as yeah. having other people identify it 
with it more. So this kind of album is it all self-produced then, or if you yeah the whole thing yeah. yeah. So that's I mean that can be quite an intimidating thing to do to make an album, but when it is self-produced, it can you have less pressure then. I don't know. It's I picked up lots of little recording techniques from mm. all the other guys I knew doing it and the other guys I've worked with and use those. But my problem I always have with it is that I'll write something and I'll record something and then stick it on my iPod and I listen to it. I say, right, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Go back, change them. Okay, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. This yeah. Is wrong. And I'll just go spiraling and I'll never stop. And what I had before was there was always someone there to just go, nope, that's no, done. That's, yeah, you stopped there. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking the file off you, it's done. Yeah. Whereas I had to be very strict with myself for that. I was just like, right, definitely. that is done. I mean, I can definitely understand that because that's why I do live sound rather than studio sound. <laughs> because I cannot sit on a sound recording and go, that's finished. And the only time I will ever do that is when I literally have a deadline. And it, a song has to come out at a certain point, so it has to get produced up to a certain point. Yeah. And then you have to go, right, that's done now. But I, if if you gave me the freedom to make an album, I wouldn't ever finish it because I'm not that kind of... I can't stop Yeah, there, there, has, to, there has to be a level of that. Yeah. There, because otherwise you'll just have some rough around the edges yeah. piece of rubbish. Yeah, I think, that's, I think but there's, there's a limit where you just... I think what makes a good producer is knowing when to stop. Yeah. And I think, you know, I could hear something that's taken two years to make and it's incredibly overproduced and be really frustrated with it because it's just too much. Yeah. And a good producer knows when to stop and knows what what to do with a piece of music and how much to add to it and how much to take away. And and that's something I can never do. So then making your own music on top of that and then producing it yourself is kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. I guess it is because, you know... in conflict with yourself all the time definitely because you're kind of going oh i'm frustrated by the limitations of this but also uh it's it's just needs to be done it needs to be done yeah and you kind of you have to set yourself a goal of completing it otherwise no one's ever gonna hear it i think i gave myself a pretty strict deadline that i did it over two bank holiday weekends and i spent i think seven or eight hours a time over four days each time just sat in one room Mm. just going at it slogging away and that that seemed to work and just because i gave myself these little windows so like a four-day window and a Mm. four-day window and i wanted everything to mostly be done yeah by that point to the point where now there's only little bits to touch up yeah and then but you could spend forever on those little bits oh you could yeah yeah (laughs) so hopefully you won't hopefully i won't know but i think there's such a interesting concept with that with like self-production is that you can ultimately do it forever and that's why you have remixes and remasters for years and years and years Mm. because and it's the same with films like you get director's cuts and things like that because people aren't satisfied with and they evolve past a certain point and you you go back and listen to music you've produced in the past and go oh i could have done this better i could have done this but at the time like that's how it sounded to you at that point for for an artist to self-produce, I think, is also really difficult because you kind of have to step outside yourself in a sense. Do you think you achieve that or do you think you're so kind of wrapped up in your own music that... You have to be able to be able to take that step back and look at it um, and be able to you know, maybe cut like half the song out that you don't like mm. and the last three hours that you've been working on just to... <laughs> 
drag it to the recycle bin and just forget about it. And, like, you got to be brutal with yourself and yeah, be honest with yourself. Is is this the best thing you can do? And I think, you know, making music that you're going to put in front of other people is the ultimate test of that, isn't yeah. it? It's like, do I want other people to hear this or is it just going to stay on my hard drive for the rest of time? Yeah. Making making your own music and then making your own music is it's that sounds really ridiculous kind of just saying it but like you can write your own music as much as you want but when it actually comes to putting it together yeah, that's a completely it, yeah. different process and and one thing i find really really helpful is like listening to it so whenever i was done with any mix or recording sessions i mix down everything i had it all goes straight on the ipod and then within a day or two it's the most played track on yeah anything you just listen to it on repeat all the time and it's it's so much better listening away from your yeah. Then when you computer. come back to it and you yeah. sit down again with a microphone and a guitar and everything set up, you you know in your head where things are wrong. So what we're saying about yeah. you you pick things out all the time. You listen to it one time, you may pick two or three things out. You listen to it a day later and you think, actually no, that's all that's right. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And you you have to be able to sort of come back to it each time. Mm-hmm. Because you can you can totally wear out your ears like the when you said that you sat there for eight hours a day, that just seems so insane to me. That's eight hours, but then that's doing three or four tracks. Mm. So you can kind of go right. I'm done with this one now. Yeah, this is as far as this one's going to get today, and mm. then you just put mix it, it put down, it aside, put it to the yeah. side, then go start on the next one. I guess one. yeah, I guess that that makes more sense rather than just sitting. Then there you for walk hours. away with four tracks that are say. 90% done mm. instead of one track that's overkill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you, you kind of do listen to some music sometimes and go, they spent way too long producing <laughs> that. They spent way too long producing that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think that's kind of a good, you know, analysis of what's going on with you. Do you think, so with this, do you know when you're going to release this new record? Hopefully August. Yeah. September. By September, definitely. Hopefully yeah. August. See, to me, so when did you finish recording it? Or you haven't finished recording it? I've finished, <laughs> finished recording the bulk of it. Yeah. So it's it's 90% done. Mm. 95% done. There's one track that needs guitar changing and mm. one other track that needs about two vocal lines on it. It's really, really minor things. I've got a gig booked in Goody Who and I've finally got a band together almost so is that like a launch gig <laughs> it's not a launch gig but it's playing the new stuff yeah. and working it out and i'm sort of setting myself little step-by-step goals mm-hmm. so like for this gig it's in i think three weeks time so past when this podcast comes out unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> and it's i want to be able to do say three songs with a full band and then two by myself yeah and like you know nothing too major and mm-hmm. Because forming a band is a nightmare now at this age, because everyone works different shifts and uh, everyone works different jobs. And, and getting trying to get four people in a room at it, the same time is just like the hardest thing. Insane. <laughs> and finding a drummer is just the worst thing ever as well. <laughs> it's like it's like drummers are in about twenty different yeah. bands, aren't they already? And it's like it's pretty crazy. So yeah, I'm just going little bit by little bit, and then hopefully it'll be out. And when it's out, I'd like to do a a launch thing. It'd be fun and get everyone together and. 
But it, it, it's interesting being able, being able to control all of that because yeah. to say, because we're at the end of June now and to say you want it out in August or September. Yeah, you're the only one. Yeah, and you're the only one limiting yourself. You've got to like, push yourself to do it and if you don't do it, you know that it's... It's not ready. It's, it's, it's only you who yeah. has procrastinated. Yeah, maybe that as well. Like, But that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, positive PMA, positive mental attitude in it. <laughs> but yeah, so... And as you know, uh, I kind of finish off these podcasts by asking two questions, which is, what's something you've been, apart from yourself, <laughs> what's something you've been <laughs> listening to a lot recently that you're really enjoying? And like, it doesn't have to be something released recently. It could be anything, really. I, I went and watched uh, Minus the Bear a couple of weeks ago. Mm. That was really good. A bunch of guys from Seattle just tapping guitars and math rock and stuff. And a couple of weeks before that, I went and watched Wheatus. <laughs> in the globe <laughs> so i've been listening to wheatus again <laughs> wheatus wow Talk, talking of 2001 2002 yeah, <laughs> yeah i think I, I mean you know it's it's funny to laugh at wheatus but like i've heard they are really good <laughs> it was ridiculously good <laughs> you know if you if you're still a band playing internationally there's got to be something to it so yeah that's cool um is there like a particular song or album you kind of listen to on um so I love that cover of A Little Respect. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can love Erasure all you want, but when we just do it, it's like, it's a different level. <laughs> yeah. I think other than that, I've just been, got back into brand new again. Well, they're always there. Yeah. It's so, so one of those kind of bands that, you, yeah, one of those bands that you always come back to. And so it's cool. And then, um, and then the last question is, what's your favorite record of all time? If you have one. I knew the devil and God raging inside of me. See, that is such a classic album that I am still yet to get into. It's it's some, it's like it's on my list. It's on my <laughs> list. I no, honestly, I have listened to Brand New and gone, fuck that. That is for me. But it's kind of like it's when I was growing up, everyone was into Deja Entendu, and Deja Entendu was the best album ever mm, made, yeah. and all this. And I was not too bothered by it at the time. I like it. Yeah, it's good. But then what they did in the next album for me was just so much better yeah i think to me brand new seemed to be on like the opposite side of the coin to alexis on fire yeah who i really love and um um you know and you know i think i found city in color before i found alexis on fire it's interesting to kind of hear those two things and yeah definitely need to get into brand new and it's like it's kind of one of those bands that are have this legacy of of bands that i enjoy now like la dispute and stuff because they are kind of influenced by brand new and things like that I don't know. It's, it's 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 a strange kind of thing that they that all these bands are associated with each other, but you you don't listen to one. That's kind of yeah. like there's a hole yeah. there in your kind of musical knowledge. But yeah, I'm gonna go listen to Brand New after this, <laughs> I think, and and really kind of update myself on that because it is one of those bands that I keep going. I really need to listen to them, and so I apologise for not having done it already. But yeah, cheers for walking over from your new home and joining me here and having a chat and wanting to be on the podcast like asking to be on the podcast thank you for allowing me on the podcast that's fine that's fine I wouldn't have I I mean I would have turned you down if you were shit but you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh, do you know what kind of what song you wanted to play because you have brought your guitar I'm going to play one of the tracks off the new album called Little Black Cloud which is always fun to go this is new rather than hearing something you've done before. Okay, cool. Cheers, Jack. I'll be a little black cloud I'll follow you around 
So thanks to Jack for um, doing a session with me uh, and an interview. Like I said, Jack kind of asked to be on the podcast, which is something I'm not exactly turning down right now because you know, what? Why? Why not? If you if you've got something to kind of say, then then I'm definitely in- interested in doing uh, an interview with you. So Jack hasn't got any shows coming up, unfortunately. I'm sure that will change at some point. But he did put up a new track yesterday called "How to Speak." And that's off his new record, which is going to be called The Chapel 2, The Chapel is Dead. So I guess that's kind of like a sequel to his first album or record or EP, what have you. It's a collection of songs. So yeah, check that out. Uh, Next week's podcast is with Dominic Griffin. And that kind of fills me with a slight anxiety because we still haven't recorded the, the track we're supposed to be doing. But the interview was great. I kind of sat in Dom's house, uh, Dom's new house in a very kind of his studio, which is quite a small room. And we had an interview and it was it's a good interview and it's I really like Dom's music. Dom is um kind of has renamed himself Aldous Fawn and uh he's also playing at Hub Festival this August 
well, it's August now, the 27th of August, and that's on the stage that I am kind of curating and kind of running in Tiny Rebel, Cardiff, that's on Wombie Street. So definitely try and come down to that and check them out. And there's a lot of other acts coming up at Hub Festival that have already been on the podcast or will be on the podcast. And like I said, I'm going to be doing a podcast from Hub Festival. So uh, definitely, I'm really excited to do that. I don't know how well it's going to go, but it's now that I've said it, it has to happen. So that's kind of my mentality on it. But yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah, thanks for listening and see you next week. <laughs>